Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, production of iHeartRadio. I have what may be a trick question for you today. Oh, no. Well, I mean, not, not technically. I, oh. I'm just curious. If I asked you, what is today's date? Would you know the answer? <laughs> well, because I'm sitting at my computer and I already wrote the date down once today, I actually would. What is it? It's January 12th, 2021. Yeah, got it. Got it. <laughs> And there. Although I will say, as I was uh, doing some things earlier today, which by the way, is still in the still AM for us, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I did have to go and look and had a moment of like, wait, is it really mid January? Well, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I the only reason I knew today's date is because, um, as you know, Samantha and listeners too, I have a weird thing with numbers. And today we usually play Dungeons and Dragons on Tuesday. And I chose this as the date for our possible first 2021 session because it's one, one, two, two, zero, two, one. <laughs> All right. Yes, I know it's strange. I, I mean, hey, I like it. It's uh, very succinct of you. <laughs> succinct is a nice word for it. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about the date in this one just because. Uh, we're doing a, an update episode. It's been a minute since we've just kind of done a roundup of the news that's going on in the world. Um, and a lot has happened. Yes. A lot has happened. Yes. Um, and is continuing happening. to happen. <laughs> I was going to say happening. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I think we're, this probably comes out the day after we record it. And I wouldn't be surprised if like the whole world has changed oh tomorrow. Goodness. So. Oh my goodness. Um, Yes, just wanted to put in the date. Uh, and also a quick trigger warning. We are going to have brief mentions of sexual assault, um, sexual abuse, and murder. I mean, pretty like yeah, just, surface it's just level. But a news yeah. like this is what happened in the story. We're not going to get into any details, but did want to say yeah. it's going to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just want to warn everybody about that. But I, first... Let's talk about some sports because a lot's ha- happened with I women mean, in sports lately. And we're going to miss some of it because I already, I'm like, there's so much I wanted to talk about. And of course, it's been, you know, 10 years since December. So I can't quite, we can't quite remember all the things, <laughs> amazing things that are happening. But yes, we did want to celebrate some of that. Yes. Um, and let's start with the NBA. So in late 2020, Becky Hammond made history by becoming the first woman to act as head coach for an NBA team during a regular season game. Uh, She's the assistant coach to the San Antonio Spurs, but she stepped into the head coach role after the man serving in that position was ejected during the first half. Whoopsie. (laughs) When asked about it after the game, Hammond said, obviously it's a big deal. It's a substantial moment. Honestly, in the moment, I was just trying to win the game. I say this a lot, but I try not to think about the huge picture and the huge aspect of it because it can get overwhelming. The Spurs were playing the the Lakers that night, and the Lakers ultimately won 121 to 107. (laughs) Um, LeBron James, though, congratulated her, saying, it's a very beautiful thing just to hear her barking out calls, barking out sets. She's very passionate about the game. Congrats to her and congrats for our league. 
And all of this was after Hammond made history in 2014 when the Spurs hired her to a full-time coaching position. And this all after she played 16 seasons for the WNBA. I wonder why you use the term barking. (laughs) (laughs) I thought about that too. I'm choosing to believe it's because she sounds really fierce. Okay. Um, But... Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll go with that. Uh, but let's move on to baseball. And yes, it's been a minute since was, this was announced, but we, of course, have to highlight it. Uh, so it was announced earlier this year that as of March 2021, Bianca Smith will start her position as the Boston Red Sox minor league coach, becoming the first black woman in major league history to act as an on-field coach. And she's only 29. Okay, so I'm feeling really Mm -hmm. pretty much like an underachiever. Uh, She said about it, quote, I don't consider myself a role model before this. It's still kind of weird to think that, to be honest. Uh, That wasn't really my intention when I took the job, but I'm happy if my story can inspire other women, other women of color, other people of color, or really anybody. I don't want to put limits on it. If anybody's inspired by the story, then even better, which is a big congratulations, Bianca. Yes, Also, in baseball news, Kim Ng made history in November of 2020 as becoming the first uh, general manager for a major league baseball. Yep, she will be the first manager for (laughs) the Miami Marlins and has made a huge step. She's also the first East Asian American to hold this position as well. So congratulations, and we're excited to see what happens. Go Marlins, I guess. And now let's talk about football. Football. Yeah. Uh, Towards the end of 2020, Sarah Fuller was touted as the first woman to score in a college football game while playing for Vanderbilt. Her varsity sport is soccer, but she stepped into some football shoes due to player absences because of COVID-19. And she sparked a lot of conversation, but also she was not the first woman to score in a college football game. Uh, Not to diminish at all what she did, but, you know, just context. Um... Katie Hanita scored the first points for college football for New Mexico in 2003, and she was followed by Kent State's April Goss in 2015. And they weren't the only ones either. Um, But uh, Katie Hanita started playing at Colorado, where she alleged a teammate raped her, but the charges were never filed. In response, she was mocked by her coach, attacked by fans, and rape apologist. Uh, Because of that, she's often left out of this first conversation. Um, Her story is a painful one and a reminder of what women in the world of sports so often face. Um, And moving on a little away from sports, uh, we wanted to talk about Elliot Page. And we know most of you have already been aware of Elliot Page's announcement in December stating he is trans with the preferred pronouns of he, they. But we couldn't pass up the moment to celebrate with him and his openness and inspiration uh, for all the LGBTQ plus community. And many of his colleagues and past co-stars sent love and support as he made the public announcement. And of course, his biggest supporter, his partner, Emma Portner. Uh, They've been married since January 2018, and uh, Emma sent a message of love stating, quote, trans, queer, and non-binary people are a gift to this world. And she went on to say that Elliot's existence is a gift in and of itself. Shine on, sweet E. So, aw. Yeah, that's sweet. Uh, Okay, so some other news in art. Um, Vulva-themed art, specifically. Uh, yeah. Well, yes, because it recently there was this piece that caused quite the controversy in Brazil. So after 11 months of carving and trench digging, 20 men lowered a 108-foot-long, or about 33 meters long, 
Volva, uh, a hand carved by sculptor Juliana Notari into the grounds of Brazil's botanical art park, Usina de Arte. Notari calls the work Diva, and she says it, quote, questions the relationship between nature and culture in our Western phallocentric and anthropocentric society, and that it should spark conversation about the, quote, problematization of gender. Um, so, yeah, this piece of art caused fiery debate. Uh, it debuted mere days after Brazil's president claimed that abortion would never be legal in mm-hmm. the country. He came out hard against this sculpture, labeling it as, quote, leftist propaganda, obscene, and reprehensible. Mm. Uh, when the artist first posted about its debut on Facebook, it got over 25,000 comments, many of them from enraged right-wingers. One right-wing Brazilian pundit suggested that the sculpture should be dealt with with a penis of the same size, Mm. which is gross and disturbing. Very rapey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Here's a taste of one of the Facebook comments. Is it not enough to see so many women showing their bums using short shorts or miniskirts? Now there's a vagina on an open field. This, to me, can never be called art. Um, and then there was another one where a father was like, what will I say to my daughter, my 11-year-old daughter, when she sees this? And then there's a comment under it where it was like, maybe don't make your daughter ashamed of her genitals. <laughs> right, or you can be like, this is your vagina. This is a vagina. <laughs> End of story. I don't understand. I think she's already probably knows she has one. If she doesn't, that's a whole other problem. You need to have a conversation. (laughs) This is not the artist's first time when it comes to art and the female body, which she often suggests is similar to an open wound and representative of the wound of social inequality when it comes to women, which we are going to talk a little more, not too much more, about what's happening with Brazil later on with the abortion uh, rights coming through in Argentina. But she told CNN, quote, it's one of the biggest wounds I've created. This wound is, however infinitely smaller when compared to the traumas of slavery, unprotected employment, ecocide, and violent traumas that happened in this Usina, as in other private colonial properties. Um, and obviously, it's pretty striking. I'll let you say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really striking. It's like this beautiful uh, red just vulva on a green, <laughs> nice green hill. Nice. I, I found it very, very visually striking. Yeah. Uh, also of note, because uh, it has made a big splash, <laughs> there's a Danish TV uh, children's show about a man with a giant penis. And that's all to be said for, that, <laughs> <about>. <laughs> for now. <laughs> well, okay, there you go. Interesting. Yes, interesting is a word for it. Uh, so that's that's our brief wrap-up of the entertainment art world. But we did want to talk about some politics, First, though, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Um, Yeah, so we wanted to jump a little into politics, and I know, I know, I know. Everybody's kind of tired of it, but we couldn't bypass updates without mentioning things that are happening in the political sense of disasters, I guess. I don't know how to say it, but yeah, so specifically to QAnon, the conspiracy and the riots that had just recently occurred, um, 
though there isn't any specific numbers right now that I could find, uh, there were plenty of women present for the riot of, on Capitol Hill. Although, if you look at the pictures, they are definitely outnumbered by the men. So yeah. whatever the proportions may be, I did find it odd that out of the five people that were killed, two were women. Especially, again, as I said, when you look at the pictures, the majority of the people there seem to be men. Um, and so that seems like a percentage-wise, a bigger yeah. percentage of what was represented a uh, bigger percentage of pe- women who were killed than what was represented. So that's I found that interesting in itself. Um, and we're not going to talk too much, but we did, again, like I said, we did want to mention what's happening with that. Yeah, so we've talked about QAnon a few times on the show, uh, and their research is pretty new on that, but one thing is clear, social media has played a huge part in creating and spreading this conspiracy theory. In one report... Uh, It's said that platforms like Instagram have had a huge influence on right-winged conservatives uh, in spreading of the QAnon conspiracies, especially on women, as the majority of the users on Instagram are women. And we are definitely going to look more into the influence of social media, women, and extremism in a later episode. So keep an eye out for that one. Yes. uh, Sorry. It's just too, too clear. For us to ignore. <laughs> too clear to ignore. As you know, too present. Say. Too present. I don't know how else to say it. Um, and we don't want to linger too long on all the things that we already know uh, because I know for me, I've been pretty glued to the news and reports of what's been happening since January 6th. However, we did want to look at some of the uh, results of that day. Um, and one specifically was the death of Ashley Babbitt, who was an ex-military avid QAnon supporter who who, according to her social media, posted frequently in support of Trump uh, about the fact that the election was stolen, all of these things, and she was shot attempting to break through the glass door at the Capitol. There were many different rumors swimming around who she was initially, including that for one of the conspiracy theories that she was actually part of Antifa. Uh, And some spread that she was an Antifa insurgent to bring violence in. And then some, like the attorney from Georgia, Lynn Wood, uh, said that she actually didn't die and was alive and well. And this was another conspiracy made by the radical left. Uh, But we can state that she was confirmed uh, dead. So it's really interesting the extremes that they have gone specifically to this woman. Yeah, um, and and in the fallout, she has become a martyr to to this cause. Um, it is reported that she was hailed as the, quote, first victim of the Second Civil War and is being hailed as a, quote, freedom fighter. Uh, many have posted about her being executed for fighting for free and fair elections and have even vowed, quote, your blood will not be in vain. We will avenge you. And with that, the hashtag say her name was uh, used in regards to her death. Um, and many of those who watched as the QAnon and far right groups uh, appropriated the hashtag say her name were uh, more than upset. <laughs> um, as the creator of the say her name hashtag, Kimberly Crenshaw tweeted, Hashtag Say Her Name is a campaign to reverse the invisibility of black women killed by the police and the long legacy of state-sanctioned violence against black women that has repeatedly been erased. The debauched right-wing use of Hashtag Say Her Name is a continuation of that erasure. Uh, And it's important to note that as they continue to steal from the black community, 
again, uh, how they have seemingly no understanding of what it stands for and ignoring the implications as they continue to try to rewrite the events that occurred. Right. Um, And again, we're not going to say too much, but yes, the impeachment process has come forward. Uh, Some of the documents written by Representative Omar, as well as uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi coming forward with stating that they are proceeding with impeachment process uh, against Donald Trump, including the fact that they did put in their charges of inciting riot in insurrections. So it's going to be interesting to see as majority of the people who are speaking for impeachment seem to be women, uh, female politicians rather than men. A lot of the men are asking for calm and unity, kind of obviously forgetting how it started Mm -hmm. and the implications that uh, unity would mean that there's something to be on common ground with and storming the Capitol with a plot of kidnapping and hanging people. Not a common ground. Just, no. just to put that out there. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. But uh, again, we're moving on. Uh, and we yeah. wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, UK tampon tax. And at the beginning of this year, UK became the most recent country to abolish the tampon tax, often called the sexist tax, which makes sense, or sales tax on period and menstrual products. This has actually been in the works and a part of the budget since last March. Uh, and it was extremely unpopular, but it couldn't go into effect until the UK broke from the EU. That's because according to the EU, menstrual products are classified as a luxury product. Oh, that's so lovely. And according to the EU law, luxury products must be taxed at least 5%. I've never thought of my period as a luxury. Have you? No, no. (laughs) Just no. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I can see for some, I don't know. What? Okay, then. (laughs) Never mind. I just know people get really picky about period stuff. Oh, that's fair. And just to be clear, uh, the the, uh, tampon tax was really unpopular, not the trying to repeal of the tampon tax. (laughs) Um, The chief executive of the Fawcett Society, one of the UK's oldest charities uh, pushing for gender rights and equality, Felicia Willow, commented, quote, it's been a long road to reach this point, but at last a sexist tax law that saw sanitary products classed as non-essential luxury items can be consigned to the history books. Mm-hmm. And of note, uh, here in the U.S., the conversation is not always so simple. Some of the taxes on menstrual products go to helping lower-class people who can't afford these items. So that is something to think on. Yes, yes. Um, and now we wanted to talk about Kim Janey. With President-elect Biden selecting current Boston Mayor Martin J. Walsh to his cabinet, Kim Janey is set to be the next mayor, which would make Kim Janey the first Black person to become mayor of Boston. Uh, She is currently the city council president, and by city rules, the council president is who would fill the spot of mayor until the special election that would be held. Right, and that's a pretty big significance, especially for a town like Boston. So it'll be really Mm -hmm. interesting to see what happens uh, until the special elections and how she is perceived and how she is received as well. So I'm kind of interested. I'm very interested in seeing what that does. Um, And also, I wanted to speak on Representative Marilyn Strickland. And as a Korean woman, I have to give a special shout out to her, who became one of the first Korean Americans to be elected to Congress. She is now representative of Washington State. And not only is she one of the first Korean women to Congress, but she's also the first Black representative for Washington. And as an homage to her heritage, she donned her traditional Korean wear, a henbok, for her swearing in ceremony. And I can't lie. Uh, It was so fulfilling to see this line. It jumped at me immediately. And I was so excited and shocked and very surprised to see 
such representation in our current government. And obviously, it's a first. It's a complete first. Mm -hmm. And I'm almost a little in disbelief that it actually happened and the fact that it didn't get bigger headlines. And not because I I think she's special because she's Korean, but because she is taking on such uh, representation and being someone who is iconic to that culture. And I love it and shout out and thank you. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, Well, we do have some more updates for you. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And we're back with a couple of international headlines at the top here, starting with Japan. So in an effort to boost the birth rate in Japan, an AI has been launched to match Japan's lonely hearts. Like there's these lonely heart points and they try to match people up based on them. Uh, The government plans to subsidize any local governments that already use or plan to use an AI to pair people up. And this year, the government is looking to put $19 million into this effort. Uh, This is a push after the country's lowest birth rate record on year last year, just 865,000 babies. According to reporting by the BBC, Japan's population is predicted to fall to 53 million by the century's end from 2017's 128 million. And I have to say, one of the first things I thought when I read that is, wow, how optimistic they think they'll make it. We'll make it to the end of the century. (laughs) Wow. That's fair. I'm in a dark place. Um, (laughs) Some experts believe AI matchmaking is not the way to go, that the problem is low wages, and that improving childcare options is a better route to pursue. Um, And it probably will surprise no one, but it it was women saying this, like, maybe we should look into childcare and those kinds of things. Um, And also they point to Japan's gender equality ranking on the World Economic Forum, which is 121st out of 153 places in 2019. Hmm. Um, And we wanted to revisit uh, what was happening with Brazil and Argentina. So we recently did a Monday Mini on the passing of the pro-abortion law in Argentina and wanted to mention something interesting uh, that we recently saw. A new trend has been occurring in Brazil since it's still illegal to obtain abortions outside of rape, which has been tightened, by the way, with its regular on it being mandated to be reported to police um, Mm. or endangering the life of the person pregnant in Brazil, many people have been traveling to Argentina to terminate their unwanted pregnancies. Previously, many Brazilians have been placed in danger by using uh, not-so-healthy kind of dangerous abortion methods or even being tricked into taking uh, counterfeit abortion pills. Some have gone as far as obtaining visas and flying into areas to gain access, which is often very, very costly. But now um, they're able to have closer access with the new laws in Argentina. Right, and we, as we mentioned earlier, there's no conversation that there is going to be any lessening of that abort those abortion laws so absolutely sad but at least i uh i guess encouraging to see that they do have easier access than what mm-hmm. is happening uh in brazil but yeah something to keep watch on because they do talk a lot about um how argentinian law has affected countries around mm-hmm. them yeah um and I'm sorry, guys. We're going to talk about COVID and again. <laughs> uh, we're just going to mention very briefly. Uh, 
what's going on and about how the job loss during COVID has, as we've talked about previously, mainly affected women. And now we have some numbers. And according to reports, there's been a total net loss of 140,000 jobs in December alone. As in fact, women account for 111% of the loss. Yes, 111% because the original number of job loss was 156,000, but 16,000 jobs were gained. And yes, men were the ones to gain all of them. But those who felt the damage were mainly Black and Latina women, especially those in the service industry. As the pandemic continues to rage on, and the fact that last month had an upswing in the number of cases as well as deaths, uh, service sector industries were hit the hardest. And reminder, many are still calling a lot of these services as essential, but these are typically the lowest paid. Um, Since February, women have lost a net of 5.4 million jobs, which make up for 55% of the job loss. In December, the overall U.S. unemployment rate was 6.7%, but for the women of the Black and Latina communities, the unemployment rates were 8.4% and 9.1%, which is a significantly larger percentage. And by the way, for white men, the percentage was 5.8%. Right. Um, And much like the counterpart of white men, white women made significant gains in the job market, according to CNN. Some of the reasons for the job loss for Black and Latino women is due to the disproportionate flexibility within some of these job sectors. The lack of paid sick leave, loss of childcare, and the inability of working from home have been huge deterrents in job security. Yes. Um, And now... Just a couple of random notes to, <laughs> yeah. to wrap it up. <laughs> Didn't know exactly where to put it out there, but it felt like significant enough to talk about. Yes. Yeah, so starting with Lisa Montgomery, uh, the first woman to face execution in seven decades. Um, she was granted a stay of execution on Monday, January 11th, pending a competency evaluation. Montgomery was charged for the murder of Bobby Joe Stinnett and cutting out of a fetus and kidnapping and was sentenced to death in 2008 in the state of Missouri. Right, and it should be noted that her uh, date of execution was actually supposed to be today uh, by lethal injection, so January 12th. Um, uh, However, through numerous reports and interviews, many have been concerned with her lack of understanding and extensive mental health needs after years of continual sexual and physical abuse and torture. She was diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome at a young age, but was never treated, and therefore there's a lot of questions about uh, mental health and our responsibility as a community when it comes to Uh, things such as uh, capital punishment and the death penalty. So this is definitely going to be something that we need to keep a watch on, especially after last year and our current administration's extreme push to uh, actually go through with the death penalty and all of the executions that had happened. Right. Um, But hard pivot from that. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to the women of the United States Air Force Test Pilot School, the TPS, at Edwards Air Force Base in California, who have become the largest graduating class of women test pilots. With the record number of five women, Captains Casey Horgan, Rachel Williams, Sarah Vorgert, Kaylin Tung, and civilian Raina Duncan have set the record as they graduated with the class of 2020. And speaking of pilots, for the first time in history, the Navy has its first black female pilot, Lieutenant J.G. Madeline Swegle, who is a tactical jet pilot. So congrats all around. All around. We're going to end with that happy note. Congrats, congrats, congrats. I think we've, you know, we've balanced out the good news with the bad news in this one. All right. We did it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure we missed things, so... 
please feel free, listeners, to write in uh, <laughs> for things we should talk about. And also, just a little note, we have some new content coming your Ooh. way. Yeah, yeah. So so get excited for that. Um, it should be really cool. In the meantime, if you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You or on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> 